Welcome to Europarama, podcast series about science fiction and the future of Europe. I am Giuseppe Porcaro and I'm the author of Disco Sour, a novel about Europe and democracy in the age of algorithms. And at Europarama, we use science fiction to explore multiple narratives for the future of Europe and storytelling as a tool to create spaces for a European imagination. In this episode, we will explore the boundary between Earth's atmosphere and outer space, the so-called Karman Line, at 100 kilometers above us. What new politics, culture and art can be conceived when the law of physics as we know them get completely subverted? <laughs> These were the conversations between Ground Control and Yuri Gagarin, the first person to cross the Karman Line on 12 April 1961. And today we will fly over the Karman Line together with Yulionas Urbonas, the founder of the Lithuanian Space Agency. Yulionas, how are you? Uh, very bad, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> me, me and Julianas, uh, anecdote, we're supposed to meet this week uh, for a forum organized in Kaunas uh, that is going to be the European capital of culture uh, in, in 2022. And we were supposed to discuss issues around the myth of Europe and the future of culture. And now instead, uh, we are here looking at each other over a screen uh, and discuss about the Karman line. So uh, um, we definitely have to thank Kaunas22 for connecting us. Somehow, uh, I would like to imagine that this conversation is actually happening over there while we are sipping a cold beer in the grass of the Kaunas uh, castle, which apparently is very, very nice. And for our listeners, the forum has been moved online, so you can all actually follow it from the 20th to the 22nd of May 2020, and you will find the link in the show notes. It's a very Europarama, so I am sure you will find it interesting. But back to us. Uh, Julianas has made a name for himself at the intersection of critical design, amusement park engineering, performative architecture, choreography, kinetic art, and science fiction. Julianas represents Lithuania this year at the Venice Architecture Biennale, where he will show the special program of the Lithuanian Space Agency, founded by Julianas himself. So Julianas, you're working with a very simple concept, but that can change everything in the perspective that we have on our human society. I've mentioned the Karman line because that is the centerpiece in your exploration and a vision of a possible future of world building. Can you tell us more about it? First of all, I would like to add a few notes on the Lithuanian Space Agency, which has been established as extraterrestrial cultural institution that, that would research gravitational aesthetics and, uh, and the extreme otherworldliness of space. It is not to be 
mistaken as Lithuanian Aerospace Association, which is usually nicknamed as Lithuanian Space Agency, which is actually a governmental institution. But we were lucky there was no Lithuanian Space Agency official, official name. So we took it. We so you could it. register the name. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Uh, we started to involve all different kinds of people from almost every possible discipline to discuss the extremes of space and uh, how we can push imagination and critical thinking. We, we liberate ourselves from terrestrial bias, I would say. What do you mean by uh, liberate yourself uh, from terrestrial bias? Whatever we think of, everything we talk about and everything we call human, we call nature, we call culture, everything is actually uh, certain terms that evolved or uh, has been developed in this particular terrestrial ecosystem under constant terrestrial gravitational force and under human care. But once you cross the Karman line, which is the boundary between terrestrial ecosystem and outer space, you get into such a space that is radically different, is anti, in a way, Earth. Everything that we call human, culture, nature, and all the disciplines we've developed, from anthropology to architecture, just collapse themselves because we, 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 their, their foundations are based on terrestrial concepts. So my idea was to have a thought experiment. One of them is called the Planet of People, which became a space program for Lithuanian Space Agency. Have it as, as a thought experiment to, that would allow us at least to get closer to what I call anti-terrestrial or extraterrestrial uh, uh, thinking and imagination. So the, the core of the idea is taking human bodies Initially, the idea was to have just the citizens of Lithuania and catapulting them in one specific location in outer space, in one of the Lagrangian points where there is no gravity, it's, it's super cold, it's, it's dark. And imagine all those bodies are floating. Are you sending them alive uh, in the outer space or are you sending them already dead? <laughs> let's leave it as, let's leave this, <laughs> this part a little bit aside because the very concept of uh, living matter or life is uh, radically different out there. And it is what actually is being now discussed by astrobiologists. There are so many different, the multitude of the definitions of life. And especially if you consider the definition of extraterrestrial life, it's super open. So it's very hard to say whether these bodies would be dead or alive. So let's leave it aside for a while. Just imagine those frozen bodies floating. And because there is no any planetary gravity, but the gravities of the bodies. You know, basic physics, any object that has a mass also has a gravitational force. So all those bodies with their weak gravities, they would start to attract each other. And after a few months, they would, they would, track, they would start to converge, they would start to merge into a blob and start to create a new celestial body. First, it would be asteroid, but if you send enough bodies, we would have such a, a human biomass that 
and eventually we would have a new planet made of human bodies. So it this it is in a way a super simple gesture. This you know catapulting a number of bodies into specific location outer space, and and it is then when you start to consider all kind of uh, contextual implications, uh, cultural, political, ethical, aesthetic, and so on and so on. And in this case, we invite very wide range of people from different disciplines to discuss what would it take to realize this project. So on the one hand, it's, it's quite realistic if you look from the perspective of science, but on the other hand, it's quite unrealistic imagining that we, had, we would do it today. And realistic more like maybe in terms of social reality. So it's kind of quasi-science fictional or I would say social science fiction. Yeah, but um, in the realistic terms, you'd be making uh, 3D modeling, if I mm -hmm. uh, understand correctly. There have been mm -hmm. engineers involved. Mm -hmm. So you made the calculations and mm -hmm. so on. So it's, it, it went a little bit beyond just the purely conceptual uh, stage, uh, if I understand correctly. You, you really made uh, yourself... Uh, uh, some sort of feasibility, not only feasibility, but the simulation, a real-life simulation. Part of Lithuanian pavilion at the uh, Venice Biennale is going to be uh, this installation that would look like a rehearsal plan for this space program, Plan the People. And the core of this project is a, a scanner that would scan human bodies, mm -hmm. uh, visitors, and you would instantly could see how the posture of yours uh, affects the formation of new planets. So you can kind of contribute with your body, with your choreographical imagination, or oh, I would say as, as a bioarchitect, using your body as a brick to form a new planet. So you could become a mountain or you could become a valley. Yeah, or, or, or something that we don't have even titled yet. Right, right. But, but, but why am I mentioning this? It is, I, I just want to show the, the ways we use different kind of media and formats to narrate, to, to do storytelling. The project is focusing on cosmic imagination, not on the means of uh, realizing this project but on making it as real as possible without making it, in a way. Mm -hmm. To use imagination as an engine, as a rocket, that could catapult you into whatever cosmic realm you would think of. We are working on a publication, the first uh, report of the Lithuanian Space Agency, in which we'll have around 20 essays, and some of them are calculations from different scientists, who look into the project from a perspective of, uh, of feasibility. What it would take to catapult people there. What, hap what would happen f with these uh, frozen uh, bodies in maybe in the thousands of years? What, what kind of geological processes would, uh, would happen there? And what kind of planetary body be possible after maybe even a, a million of years there are a lot of questions that floats around because if you create uh, i mean uh, we we are the planet of people because that's the planet where people are living in and that will be a planet of people where people actually the constituted 
constituting matter of the body. So it uh, it, it reverts uh, to a certain I mean, many level. I mean, if you go past the, the the image, that might be a little bit macabre, you know, because I cannot I cannot think ab about it at the beginning. Uh, uh, I, can, I can I can very much picture it more like uh, some sort of horror kind of science fiction or splatter uh, gore kind of thing. Uh, if you go a little bit beyond that aspect, uh, that perhaps is like the first layer of, of visualization. Then maybe there are more profound uh, uh, questions that um, that this kind of operation would uh, entail. Well, you see, it's very hard to define whether it's a horror or it's a utopia, <laughs> because it's the, the, the uh, line between dystopian and utopian uh, perspective on one project is very thin. Uh, if you look at it from a perspective of, I would even say, oh, how is this called? Uh, body horror, very specific genre in cinema. But on the other hand, you actually you may think of the term cyborg mm -hmm. that actually was coined specifically to define a human being that uh, who was modified to survive the hostile environment of outer space. Right. So imagine you have a this original idea revived, and imagine you have human beings who could survive hostile environment of outer space without any life support. It's just a naked, <laughs> naked body enjoying the, 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 you know, the, the vacuum of outer space. And what would you do if you don't need any external, uh, you know, uh, your second skin? So you can imagine this planet of people where, you know, a population of people just, you know, fooling around <laughs> together <laughs> with, and in that case, it might be something that would be really difficult to imagine because we, again, it's very difficult to go beyond our terrestrial imagination. But this is exactly the point of a project, to go to such an extreme that that would be just maybe, there's, you would all of a sudden realize that there is no way to go even further. For you, for you, this is just one of uh, um, a series of uh, of explorations because you have coined, coined the term gravitational aesthetics, right? Uh, so going uh, going as you say a little bit beyond the the, um, the different layers, there is like some sort of uh, uh, on one hand, there is uh, something that is very centerpiece in, in art, which is uh, aesthetics, and the other part, which is very centerpiece on, on the law of physics and, and kind of define the laws of physics, which is all based on, on the gravitation, you know, gravity as, as a concept. What, what exactly do you mean? I mean, this is at least what I understand from the term gravitational aesthetics, but uh, uh, maybe you can explain to me and to our listeners a little bit more what exactly is your, uh, uh, you know, your line of thought with this, uh, with this new, uh, new term. <laughs> Actually, uh, it's very simple and at the same time, it's very complex as, as the project planned to people itself. Uh, uh, on, the hand, on the one hand, it might uh, look at every project of mine that would that could be uh, defined as as uh, gravitational design or gravitational architecture or gravitational art, and you would see that at every project, even though they look very complex and complicated, there is something very simple. There is a unique kind of choreographic cho choreographical uh, gesture. 
a trajectory of movement that is unprecedented. I usually start with, uh, with again, with this choreography, but in, not in a, a conventional way, but more like thinking of specific kind of uh, movement of human body or a crowd or a huge population of people and thinking of how to move them in different kind of orientation in space or in terms of different kind of uh, uh, choreographies in conventional way, but thinking of unprecedented choreographies. And only then I look at the implications of these choreographies that uh, these implications might be, uh, I would say, other aspects of uh, reality other than, than just movement. Uh, it would, could be uh, aesthetic, sensual, political, economical, psychological, whatever. It's only then I can look at these implications. So in this particular project we're just uh, talking about, I just take a number of human bodies and I catapult in outer space in specific location in space. It's super simple. But then I see what would what would happen in with this uh, project in terms of uh, political, aesthetic, and whatever implications. So all the projects are like this. And for example, you you also you also worked with sounds. Uh, you had this project about a piano, a hyper gravitational piano or something like that. What exactly was that? I would say quite recently, in the last uh, four years, I became interested in what would happen specifically to the uh, to the field of art if we catapulted into outer space. And uh, to to imagine art in outer space uh, without just uh, physically catapulting artistic practice in there is for me is uh, is uh, is it is similar to what uh, as uh, astro scientists do with scientific research in analog moons and mars uh, martian environments earth we kind of we find specific or we direct specific circumstances that would that uh, emulate or simulate extraterrestrial environments, whatever, of Moon, of or, or Mars, and so on. So I imagine it might be done quite similar with art. I create specific kind of extraterrestrial uh, circumstances and catapult artistic practices into these circumstances. So basically you catapult, you catapult every single art disciplines above the Karman line. And, and not all of them. It, it, it's more like a thought experiment. It's, it's like a thought experiment with a with a call to scientists who who have expertise in their particular disciplines. When I when it comes to uh, artistic experiments in analog extraterrestrial worlds, <laughs> I particularly uh, focus on one specific aspect of outer space. It is gravitational forces or altered states of gravity. So if you mentioned sound. I've been experimenting with hypergravitational forces, higher than terrestrial gravitational force, which is, which is quite simple to replicate or to simulate by, by generating centrifugal force, for example, by spinning. So I used a human mm -hmm. centrifuge 
where you know astronauts right. and cosmonauts are being trained, but I just uh, designed in my way, and instead of putting a human being at the at the arm or oh, the spinning arm of a device, I put a piano, a grand piano, the largest piano you could find, <laughs> and and then I spin in such a speed that the piano player would be attached to the seat and experience her centrifugal force that's or hypergravitational force that they might fi find themselves in a way in in unique kind of extraterrestrial environment and only then i it's not me who composes the composition i'm more like i'm more like they're directing these circumstances but it is the composer in dialogue with these unique kind of conditions adapting or reacting to what's going on with the body with the piano and with a sound that is radiating differently and we can hear a little uh, sound bite of this piano And this was the sound of uh, a hypergravitational piano. By composer Gaile Grizzute. Which I would have a hard time to pronounce <laughs> myself. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you Julianas. Um, let's, uh, let's move a little bit more on our reflection because um, uh, all these concepts that, that you're applying to, to art, I mean, to me, it's, it's very fascinating from, from a broader point of view. Uh, because we are we are kind of used in science fiction to make these kind of thought experiments, and um, here uh, I I would like, especially in the context of what we are living nowadays uh, with with space, there is this uh, new space age that uh, since uh, since a few years seems to be uh, reviving the the, the dreams of uh, of basically uh, you have humanity uh, exploring and and doing stuff uh, in in outer space. But seems to be dominated by a boost in, in mainly commercial interests, rather than you know the kind of vision for a new humanity that you could find in, in classical science fiction or um, or you know like uh, the, the space age that that we might associate our imagination with. Um, it, it, obviously, it's very interesting. But um, but yeah, I mean, you you seem to be able to apply these concepts to to something totally new and. Um, it, I mean, for, for us at Europarama, it's also like, I, I like to think about this also as a European project, you know, like, uh, I would love if the Lithuanian Space Agency could, could merge uh, or could become member of the European Space Agency, the real one, you know, <laughs> and have some sort of branch, you know, if you, if you just imagine, like, having a branch of the European St Space Agency that is not only dedicated to, uh, you know, uh, scientific exploration, of the universe, but actually artistic exploration of the universe. Uh, what do you think about something like that? Well, I would say it, it is in a way already happening for several reasons. One of them is not so evident, but experienced by almost everybody. Uh, outer space or, or cosmos is not experienced with naked eyes today. Everything is mediated by technologies, mostly by Uh, data-driven technologies. If you look at the raw material of how outer space is being uh, mm, 
probed or is seen by the machinery. It's just numbers of the code, data. And what we uh, human beings experience is basically this data visualized by scientists or artists. So even the scientists them, uh, themselves, they use lots of visualized data, which is actually singled out code from the noise of space and transformed with specific kind of taste. The raw data, the noise, could be perceived by every human being, not just perceived, but perceived as a place. So it's in a way it's a placemaking uh, practice, what uh, astro scientists do. And this particular transformation from data to to uh, visualized information is quite an artistic practice. So, in, so you're saying that you're saying that uh, basically scientists are somehow artists, and and vice versa. You know, like you're trying to say that you, you, we can blur the lines. Um, the majority of these scientists, they they start to see that outer space is is not is not a neutral neutral space neutral domain. It is it is aestheticized, culturalized, politicized, and so on and so on and so on. Outer space is being aestheticized in such a way that scientists use their imagination or taste or aesthetic approach to depict space in, in such a way that it would have its kind of, I would say, artistic fingerprint, artistics, their own artistic style. And, and certain uh, scientists def, uh, define this particular phenomenon as cosmic imagination. And uh, they particularly focus on what techniques and even props or sonography are being used right. to, to facilitate the imaginary link or, or even a pathetic link between celestial bodies celest or celestial domain and, uh, and human beings. And those props might be visual, but might be also literally or, or verbal. Quick example, quite recently, all of a sudden, we started to uh, discover lots of exoplanets. Now, there are like loads, huge. Month, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is quite a new phenomenon, it's, which might be also one of the signposts of the new space age. But what is beautiful here, that scientists start to use a kind of poetic uh, language to define their planets. One of, uh, one of them was called, I think, the planet of oceans. Mm. But interesting thing is that that planet was uh, discovered by two scientists at the same time. But the one who used poetic language, the vivid, you know, uh, language, the, ocean, the planet of oceans, was cited and was known all of us all around a circle of scientists and, and world. But the one who named in very hardcore scientific terms some kind of volatile, fluid, blah, 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 you know, kind of hardcore planet. Yeah. He, he, nobody knew him for, for, for quite a while. And it's something that uh, traces back to the origin of, uh, of uh, astronomy itself. You know, like if, we, if you look at the, I mean, from Galileo and, and even before, I mean, the fact of just naming the planets with the names of the ancient gods, uh, there is a certain imaginary in the topography of uh, of the of of the cosmos that uh, that that is basically already telling some sort of stories so yes 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 and coming back to another reason why 
art is already uh, having certain kind of uh, how to say presence in 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 cosmos in outer space is that uh, i think it has been already almost a decade or even more that uh, the term space art has been established and uh, there is a group of people who actually had an access to to certain um, how to say extraterrestrial analogs or or certain technologies of of of, of space, various uh, national space programs where they could uh, uh, do artistic experiments for example doing choreography in out uh, not i wouldn't say in outer space more like in microgravity uh, the arts catalyst a cultural institution in london uh, has been doing for i don't know maybe even for a decade both experiments funded by slovenian space program and having uh, so called vomit vomit comets you know those uh, those huge airplanes like pa- regular passenger airplanes that are emptied so that they could by a uh, falling or following the trajectory of earth they could produce uh, around half a minute of microgravity within the airplane so the ads catalyst got an access to these airplanes and they would send theater directors choreographers painters to that airplane to to do artistic experiments the other thing that i think allows especially in europe to have uh, a great um, a great access to to space and uh, space uh, space generated data is the fact that we have uh, actually an, an open access policy in europe for uh, for everything that is uh, l- related to earth observation and uh, and geospatial data which is uh, uh, you know a wealth of, uh, of of data that can be used not only by uh, you know app developers uh, a businessmen or or scientists but it can be used also by artists so i think that uh, i think this is really an interesting uh, just i think this is just the beginning of of something that uh, that would bring more and more uh, the space into um, i mean space into into art in in various forms in various uh, combinations and um, and as well mixing it up as you say like with with science with politics and and many other disciplines yeah and i would imagine that it at least it would have a uh, the form of an f- extraterrestrial artistic think tank and it would have if it would have at least some access to physical outer space it would uh, be huge impact upon arts I would imagine that it would be nice to have a, a residency in the International Space Station for artists, for example. I mean, that would be that would be just fantastic. Well, in a, in a way, it's already happening, but because it is super, super strict and reg- regulated, and because also the history of uh, military and scientific endeavor, and, and uh, so International Space Station might be considered the ultimate. Uh, example of artificial ecosystem and it is not just the ultimate uh, ecosystem it is ultimately uh, the ultimate example how you should be careful about uh, 
looking after your ecosystem. If you fool around in your in the International Space Station or in the spacesuit, you just just it just all of a sudden it just everything collapses. It is not you. The whole system just collapses. Uh, and if you if you allow artists to fool around in there, <laughs> maybe it would require a total different kind of art. Art that would be super responsible and would uh, that would give us new way of thinking about the care and uh, solidarity and, and uh, responsibility. So probably we would need different kind of definition of art. So on this note about uh, redefining art, redefining the boundaries of, uh, of humanity, uh, I, I think that we are coming to an end of, uh, of, this, uh, of this episode. And um, I would like to thank so much uh, Julianas to, uh, to, to join Europarama for this episode, but uh, I would still like to, to think that uh, uh, we will uh, meet uh, in, in physical um, particles <laughs> as, uh, to, to, to try to, to, to have a space, uh, a space kind of uh, imagination on, on this instead of uh, just, uh, just pixels on, uh, on a screen and, um, and sound bites sent with the wavelength. Uh, due to uh, the pandemics that is uh, that is still ravaging uh, across the world, um, so thank you very much, Ilionis. And uh, I would like to remind you that you can follow the Kaunas Forum uh, uh, online from the 20th to the 22nd of May, and uh, you will be able to participate as well to the discussion about the future of culture in Europe in times of the pandemics and beyond. And um, you can check out more episodes and the other shows of um, Europarama and of the other Are We Europe podcasting family, as well as more detailed information related to our conversation. All this in the show notes. So thank you very much, Julianas. Oh, Giuseppe, thank you very much. I was really uh, enjoying myself. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I did as well and I just imagined myself first shattered and frozen in, in, in the outer space and then conducting experiments in the international space stations and I had a lot of more ideas about things that I would like to do <laughs> so thank you, thank you so much for, for, for this um, mind-bending experience and uh, uh, thanks to our listeners and until next time bye bye Thank you.